Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. As you know, the Lord's been talking to us about prayer. Folks, we say a lot about wanting revival. Amen? And we want revival, right? We want God to move. We want God to to shift us into places of where His blessing, where His providence in every sphere of our lives becomes manifest, becomes evident. Where we're no longer just sitting in hope for what God may or could do, but that by faith we hear what it is that God is doing, what it is He's wanting to establish and release, and cooperate with Him in that process. The only way to bring ourselves into that place where we're able to hear the word of the Lord is prayer. Now, there are a number of different kinds of prayer. And over the past few weeks, if you're on our mailing list, you've been getting three prayer pointers a week. And the prayer pointers always have the same kind of format. The first point is always going to be some kind of praise, of thanksgiving, of worship, something to that extent where we put God in His place and ourselves in our place and honor God and give Him thanks for who He is, for what He's done and for what He's doing in our lives. That is always the beginning. That's the beginning of our prayer. That's the beginning of our worship. The second one is a personal prayer. Requesting of God to do something in your own personal life. God, would you please pour out your Spirit upon me? I pray for greater revelation. Or give me a heart for this. And it's a personal application. And as always, anything that has a personal application that changes us on the inside has a natural outworking. It goes beyond just ourselves, but it changes the way we see the people around us, the world around us, and it also changes our attitude and our behavior towards them. So the third point is always reaching out in some way. And I want to start this morning by focusing on what the prayer pointers are for this week coming. If you are not on that mailing list, please be sure to send us an email. Let us know. Just email admin at alphaomega.org.za and we will pop you on that mailing list and you can, you can get that. If you don't have email, let us know. We print off a few copies every week so that on Sunday, if you don't have email, you can pick up one from, from the back of the church. What's nice about this, folks, is I've come to learn that, that assuming people know how to do things is a foolish thing to do. You journey with somebody for a long time and you suddenly realize, well, have you prayed about this? Yeah, but I'm not sure how to pray or I don't know how to hear from God. And you realize that, that despite people's best intentions and a, a, a sincere pursuit of, of God and wanting to live for Him, very often no one's taken them by the hand and taught them how to pray. Very often we get locked in a certain manner or pattern of praying and it's not producing the results that we want to see. And so God's been saying to me, Michael... And this is one of the avenues and one of the ways where we can encourage one another and we can learn tips and tricks on how to pray. Any marriage is as effective as its communication. And likewise, any relationship for that matter, but likewise our relationship with God. If we're not communicating effectively, it's, we're not getting anywhere. How many times do I communicate certain things with my wife? Well, let's be honest, okay, how many times does she try and communicate something with me and I just don't get it? No, you don't understand. Oh, but this is what, no, that's not what I said. No, that's exactly what you said. Okay, that's not what I meant. 
And even within a marriage with two people who are living in the same house, and we've been married for 10 years, we, we still often miss each other, miscommunicate, misconstrue, misperceive things. And you know what? In our walk with the Lord, very often it's the same. We, because of circumstances that we're in, because of a way that we're feeling, because of a rut that we're stuck in, it can sometimes be difficult to break out, difficult to see things from a different perspective. This is, this is why I'm sending these things out once a week, because it's good for us to just sometimes have a little help. How many of you in your quiet times have a daily devotional book that you work through? Some people love that, other people don't. And I'm not prescribing way, one way or the other, but every now, I go through seasons where I don't, and I go through seasons where, you know what, I could just use a bit of inspiration, or just a bit of clarity, or a bit of help, or there's something I'm busy working through, and I'll, I'll need help in a certain area from the Lord, and I'll turn to somebody that I know has victory in that area, has written journals, or has written uh, a devotional stuff, maybe concerning faith, maybe concerning prayer. So I'll take a book of Andrew Murray's concerning prayer, and I'll open and I'll read one chapter a week, or one chapter a morning as part of my daily devotional because there's somebody who has something he can impart and encourage and enrich my life with. So I want to take us through this week's call to prayer, and that's where I want to start this morning. The first, so let us open our Bibles, if you would, please, to Ephesians chapter 4. And there's a few things I want us to read and draw from this. And as we begin to break this down, you will begin to see how God, even within your own heart, begins to stir up things to pray for. And this is the whole purpose of this, so that as you in your quiet times are reading through this, God will stir things up. Ephesians chapter, one, verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, I beg your pardon, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Let's pause there for a moment. That's where we're going to start. So you can just leave uh, verse 1 up there, please, Rick. It's not often that you hear Paul begging. I think it's about three occasions where Paul literally, what does the word beseech mean? It means beg. I beg of you. I am pleading with you. And why would he do that? Because there was so much at stake in this request that you would walk worthy of the call of God upon your life. In John 15, Jesus said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Thank God for his calling upon your life. Praise him for the fact that your life has meaning and purpose. Paul says, I pray that you walk worthy of the, worthy of the calling by which you were called. How many of you know that you are called by God? You are called by name. What? Called what? First of all, into his kingdom, called as a son, called as a daughter, you know, the wonderful thing about adoption is that you could never be accidentally adopted. You could be accidentally conceived. Yeah, there's a few nervous giggles around. But you can never be accidentally adopted. When you are called, there is a desire for you. There is a passion for you. There is a love that is pre-existing, a position that is established and set up for you. And this is the calling that God has called us into, first and foremost. It's to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Everything is about that. Everything else that we do in our lives comes from and stems from that place. If it doesn't, 
then somehow we're striving for that place. We're striving for acceptance. We're striving for blessing, trying to perform or to earn it in some, some way or another. But when we live our lives from that place, that calling within us to be something that brings us in and nearer to God also births and works within us an outward expression that calls us to be something to the world. I have called you to be what? My child, which makes me a shining light, which makes me an ambassador, which makes me a representative of my Father. Carries on in verse 2, he says, With all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, oh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's deal with verse 2 for verse. So he says, Walk worthy of the calling by which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another. How pleasurable does that sound? How much fun is it to bear with someone? No, it's not fun, guys. Let's just be honest. It's not fun. Bearing with one another is not a fun thing. God is not saying, yeah, just have fun and have a good time and spend time with those who you, you get on with and enjoy. That's not what the Word of God is saying here. He's saying, with long-suffering, that means suffering for a long time. And with gentleness, in other words, I'm not pushy, I'm not trying to put you in your place, I'm not trying to read you the riot act, I'm just being very gentle with you, as you are, and with lowliness. Other translation says, with all humility. And basically, humility is, don't think you're better than them. That's really the essence of humility. Don't think of yourself more highly or more lowly than you ought to. Bearing with one another in love. So this paints a wonderful picture for us of how it is that we begin to walk out this calling that God has on our lives. And then he carries on to verse 3. Endeavoring to, so let's, let's go back to, sorry, number, on verse 2, the second prayer pointer for this week is walking worthy of the call. And it says, our walk with God brings about a transformation that enables us to demonstrate his love. Pray that humility, gentleness, and long-suffering would manifest themselves in and through your life. So there we go. I thank God for the call that I am destined. Secondly, I say, God, because of this call, help me to reflect you. Because you are gentle. You are lowly. The Bible said of Jesus, a bruised reed he would not break. And that would be the prayer for yourself then, which then manifests itself in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Apostle Paul urges us to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Pray that we as a church would be united in our pursuit of God's Spirit that we may experience the richness of this bond of peace. It's incredible. He talks about unity of the Spirit, which brings about, or in the, bond of peace. There is a unity of the Spirit which goes beyond all human understanding of what unity is and looks like. Because it is not a unity where we agree on everything. You are never going to find that unity as long as you have two people together. Husbands, how many of your wives agree with you on everything? <laughs> wives, how many of your husbands are deceived? 
This is not talking about a unity of we agree on everything. Look, agreement on, on a lot of things is important. I mean, if we disagree on everything, that's going to make things really rough. That's going to make it long-suffering big time. But the Bible does call it this thing called the unity of the Spirit, where God has made us sons and daughters of one family. When, God, when, when the Apostle Paul, in, in, in one, his letter to the Corinthians in chapter 12 of, the, of 1 Corinthians, he talks about there is one Spirit, and we have all been into one baptize, baptism, and there is one Lord who works all these different things, but there is one Spirit. And this is the one Spirit we've been united in. My daughters are very different, but they have one surname. They're born into one family, and they're loyal to that family. So help them God. <laughs> hmm? So folks, what I'm, what I'm saying to you is this. This week, we've got some prayer pointers, and I want to encourage you to give your heart to them. As we as a fellowship together begin praying through these things, as we journey together through the Word of God and in our prayer time, Guess what begins to happen in our hearts? Something called the unity of spirit in the bond of peace because we are all pursuing the same thing. Amen? I want to talk to you this morning about the prevailing word of God. The prevailing word of God. The word of God that comes forth from his mouth. The word of God that is prophetic in its nature. Uh, that is instructional or decisive in decision-making, in pushing, in releasing, in unveiling, in revealing. And I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37 so we can work our way through some of these scriptures this morning. Ezekiel chapter 37. And if you're familiar with the chapter, you'll know that this is the chapter where God brings Ezekiel to a valley filled with dry bones. So I'm just waiting for you to find that scripture and we can read it all together. Let me premise this with, with this thought. The most powerful thing that you and I have to cause our faith to come alive, to align our lives and our hearts with the purposes of God, is an ability to hear the prevailing word of God. This is the reason that I'm, the Lord's telling us to focus on prayer, on time with Him on time in His presence. Because there is a prevailing word, corporately and individually, that God needs to release to us in order to take us on, in order for us to grow, for our sanctification, etc., etc., etc. There's a prevailing word of God concerning every situation that we are facing in our lives. Amen? Now, there are two kinds of prevailing words of God. There is the word of God which has been spoken and remains true because it is eternal. That is Jesus Christ. That is the Word of God, the Bible that we have been given, which reveals to us who God is, but also reveals to us who we are in God. And this Word remains as true today as it did the Word the day that it was spoken, as it did the day that it was recorded. It is life and light to all who hear it. Amen? And that Word prevails. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But there is also a prevailing Word of God concerning my situation and what I am going through now. That word brings life and light to my current situation. This book 
won't tell you who you're going to marry or who you should marry or who you shouldn't marry. This book won't tell you how to, how to invest a certain amount of money that you've just received or how to give it or what to do with it. This book won't tell you how to solve many, many unique and deeply personal situations in your life. So what do we need for that? There we need a now word from God, a prevailing word from God that is burst out of the truth. I mean, it's still, this is still the source. It is still Jesus. But it is a word that is very specific to my situation. Let's jump into Ezekiel chapter 37 from verse 1. It says this, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. So these were not just dead bones. These were very dead bones. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And this man, men, when your wife asks you a question, this is probably the wisest answer you can possibly give. Surely you know. <laughs> oh Lord, you know. That is the wise. He didn't say no. He didn't say yes. He didn't presume that his experience was enough to answer this question. He didn't presume to know the answer to this question. He just simply answered, instead of saying, I don't know, and proclaiming his ignorance, very sharp man, this Ezekiel, he just says, Lord, you know. <laughs> and he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, oh, dry bones, hear, hear what? The word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Let's pause for a moment. If you know, understand the story, the breath is what is the last thing that happened. But here we see, we see the word of God coming and telling the end from the beginning. The end is breath will come into you. Now a lot of things had to happen before that. The bones had to come together, the sinews had to be there, the muscles had to be there, the body needed to stand ready for the breath to come in. But here the word of the God, the word of God comes into the situation and speaks the end from the very beginning. And that's important. Sometimes God is going to give you the end from the beginning. But there's a process to get there. That is what prophecy does. It calls you into something that is far greater than you are. It calls you into a process. It calls you into a journey of discovery and of growth and of sanctification so that that end becomes your vision. That end becomes the direction in which you begin to move. Let's carry on. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Then he starts from the beginning. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. There was suddenly a rattling. And bones came together, bone to bone. 
Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So we see here a process that has begun, that he begins to speak the word of God. Suddenly, things begin to rattle. Rattle. Can you imagine the scene? Can you picture it? Just bones on the ground beginning to... That's a pretty freaky... There's no order in that. There's no... But, but, but something's happening. How many of you are rattling inside? I'm not talking about your old bones, people. I'm, I'm, to, <laughs> I'm talking about in your spirit, man. There's a rattling. There's a sense that God is doing something. There's a sense that God is releasing something. There's a sense that God has spoken. I am pouring out my spirit. There's a fresh wave coming. And there's a rattling in our hearts. Something's coming together, but it's something we have no control over. It's something that we cannot make happen, no matter how much super glue and prattly putty we bring. We wouldn't know exactly where all those bones fit. But there's a rattling. And we can sense it, and we can stir it. And then he says, suddenly things begin to happen. Out of his control, bones come together. There's alignment. Things fit in their places. Muscles and sinews. But once that work is finished, it's not complete yet. Because the word that was given was what? I will breathe upon you and you shall live. And what I see now is completely different from what I saw in the beginning, but we're not done yet. The fullness of the manifestation of what was spoken hasn't, isn't seen yet. And there's more that needs to be done. Verse 9, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Now it's very interesting. We prophesied to the bones. And the bones did what the bones could do. The bones could do no more. The word was that breath would come. But a change of focus was necessary here. And the prophet now needed to prophesy not to the bones, but needed to prophesy to the, to the wind, to the breath, to come. And he said to me, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Folks, I want to say to you that there is tremendous power in the prophetic spoken word of God. To cause things to change, to cause things to line up and shift into their rightful place, and then to speak life into them. I believe in my heart that many of us have shifted into that rightful place. There's, there's two understandings of this. The first one is this. I, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm shifted, I'm aligned, I'm set in the rightful place. But there's a breath of His Spirit that still needs to come and bring, bring about fulfillment and the completion of the work that Jesus came to, to, to bring. A dimension of the Spirit that I need to be entering into. But I also believe for many of us in this fellowship, we know where we have been placed. God has set us in this body. God sets the members. And we know we're aligned. We know that everything is set up and ready and right. But there is another word, a new word, a prevailing word of God that He needs to breathe over us and that we need to hear and enter into in order to cause that life, that next dimension, the, great, the greater work, the fullness of Christ, to become a manifestation and to usher us into that divine calling that he has upon our lives. Beyond just citizens, beyond just children, but inheritors of the Father's business. 
co-laborers with Christ in the, in the establishment of his kingdom. In the, power, in the prophetic spoken word of God, there is power to bring life to what is dead. Maybe you're looking at situations in your life and there's death all over them. What is God saying about that situation? What is God saying about your marriage, about your finances, your business, about a relationship? The prophetic prevailing word of God has power to bring hope where there is hopelessness, where there seems to be no way. To bring healing and restoration. It has the power to bring deliverance from bondage. It has the power to align and set a right. In other words, set on the right course to give vision to, to give perspective to. Where the prevailing word of God is, there is no uncertainty. There is clarity. There is right perspective and there is faith. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, from verse 1 to 3. We'll put it up on the board, so let me just read it for you. Every commandment which I command you today, says God speaking, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply. In other words, your life, your multiplication, your blessing, your realization of the promise is dependent upon the first. You must obey every commandment which I speak to you today, the prevailing word of God. And go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What God is speaking to his people here is saying, you will learn. In other words, through this process of highs and lows, through your victories and through your failures, through your attempts and your shortcomings, and through when you get it right and your glories, through all these things you will learn that regardless of your plans or your will or your desires, whatever I say goes. Whatever I say happens. Whatever I say is true and will always prevail over everything else. Proverbs 19, 21, There are many plans in a man's heart, Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. This is what Jesus was referring to when, the, when Satan tempted him. He said, come on, you've been fasting for 40 days, you're hungry. Turn these rocks into bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is recorded in history, or that is recorded in the Torah. Or the, no, you see, this is, this is the difference. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, there is a word that is proceeding from God's heart or God's mouth over you right now. Did you know that? Did you know that God is singing over you right now? Let me read you a scripture from Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 10 it says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus... For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in, walk in them. That word workmanship 
if you take it right back to its root and you begin to extrapolate it, it says it's basically the same root as the word poem. A poem is a creative piece of writing that comes from the heart. It is not a limerick. Limericks are designed to, to tantalize and to, to be fun. It is a poem. When somebody writes a poem, it's, poetry is from the heart. Some poems rhyme, some poems don't. I could recite some to you now, but I think it's best if I don't. <laughs> a poem is something that comes from the heart. And the Bible says that we are God's poem. That God has spoken things over your lives like a poem. And we need in on that poem. We need to know what it is that God is speaking over us. You see, I can create... Any, 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 once upon a time, a man created a thing called a knife. And that knife was a tool designed for cutting. And then, on another day, along came a woman and decided, I can't find a screwdriver. I'm sure this knife will do the job. And she used the knife to do the job. Was that knife created for turning screws? Certainly not. It would defeat its purpose. It would bend it out of shape. It would ultimately break it. Was a screwdriver designed for cutting meat? No, certainly not. And God knows what he has designed you for uniquely. Amen? And the point that I want to make to you is that we need to be getting in on what it is that God is saying over our hearts, over our lives, over our fellowship, over our community at this time. We need to catch the heart of God. Do you remember that prophetic word that Pastor Andreas brought? I want to tell you, folks, this, this, if you, if you, I, I encourage you, go listen to it again. I don't believe the Spirit of God has, has moved on from that word yet. I believe that that is still bubbling. It's still bubbling very much within me. That God is calling His people back out of just the, what they know about re, religion or their relationship with him, out of the, the, the regular routines to catch his heart. Why is that important? Isaiah 55 tells us. From verse 8, he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. They are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So in other words, we can't compare. We can't figure it out. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we try and educate ourselves, our thoughts, our way of thinking, our departure point, our perspective is nowhere near what God's is. The, uh, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth, they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. My word goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereto I send it. It will prosper everywhere I send it. The Word of God, the spoken Word of God, always produces fruit. This is God speaking. God who spoke and the world was created. When God speaks, use your imagination. 
When God speaks, everything else falls into place. When God says no, there's no going any further. When God says yes, there's no stopping. When God says start, you can't help but get up your backside and get going. When God says part, the sea goes... It accomplishes all I wanted to, and it prospers in wherever I send it. The words that proceed from the mouth of God, folks, when we begin to hear those words, I want to say this to you, you don't have to struggle for faith when you hear the word of God. All you have to do is obey it. You don't have to struggle for faith when, the word of, when you hear God speaking. You don't have to struggle for faith. I have had seasons in my life where I've tried to, when I didn't understand what faith was. And you try and muster it. You try and declare the same thing over and over and over and over until you, maybe, hopefully, it'll start working. If I, faith comes where there is a revelation of God's will, where there is an understanding or an ear that has heard the word that comes out of God's mouth. Romans 10, 17 tells us that. So then, faith is the substance Oh, sorry, faith comes by hearing, I'm quoting Hebrews. Faith comes by hearing what is told, this is from the Amplified, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came by the lips of Christ the Messiah himself. In other words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. We need to understand what we're talking about here. Not just hearing with the physical ears here. We're talking about hearing. The ears of our hearts. And hearing by what? The prevailing word of God. Faith comes by me hearing what it is that God is saying. And what does faith produce in me? Faith produces obedience. You see, faith and obedience are like two tracks of, of, of a railway, railway line. The train cannot go if you, you don't, if you, you can't say you have great faith if you don't have obedience. And you can't say you are obedient to God without great faith. They run together, and your life runs on the course of your faith and obedience. God will never lead you beyond your level of obedience. Amen? So faith comes when I hear the word of God, and it is expressed as our, I obey it. The word of God, the prevailing word of God, it overcomes in every situation. That's why I'm calling it a prevailing word. It prevails. It proves more powerful than whatever it is that I'm facing. It is bigger than. It enforces the victory of Jesus Christ. Knowing what God is saying gives us access to his power and his victory. In other words, it opens the channel for me to receive it because I know that it is mine or I know that God is, is, is speaking it over the situation. Saying what God is speaking releases that power on your behalf. Did you get that? Knowing what God is saying puts something into my heart. It aligns my heart with Him. It brings all the bones into their rightful places. My believing comes right. I believe God accurately according to His Word. I see the situation I'm facing according to His Word. The sinews are all there. The muscles are all there. The, it's all formed. The faith is there. It's ready. It's ready to be unleashed. It's ready to wreak havoc on the situation or bring life and blessing on the situation. It's there. It's all present. But what needs to happen? I've got to prophesy. I've got to speak. See, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, and what did it say? 
Prophesy, son of man. What should I prophesy? This is what you prophesy. So he says, this is what God told me to prophesy. The next verse says, So I said, I prophesied, I opened my mouth and released, and by speaking the prevailing word of God. And what happened? There was a rumbling, and bones came together, and flesh, and sinews, and all kinds of things happened. We need to be speaking the word that God is speaking over our lives and our families. It's not enough just to know it. We've got to be releasing it. Faith speaks, people. Faith declares things which be not as though they were, because in our hearts they are. They are real to us as anything else we can see or touch or smell or feel or hear. They are real. Why? Because we have received the revelation. We have received the prevailing word of God. But that's not enough. Once we receive it, we have to begin speaking it. Not your circumstances. Don't speak your circumstances. Don't speak your fears. Stop telling the world and stop telling the heavenlies and stop telling yourself and your friends everything that's going on around you. Start speaking what's going on within you, if that is faith and not fear. Begin listening to what the Word of God says about your situation. Find out what it says in the Word, the, the written Word, and begin praying about it and listening for what God is saying over the situation. Don't speak what others are saying. Don't speak what others are doing. But begin prophetically speaking and releasing what it is that God is saying. We've already established that God, God's words are powerful. When God says something, it happens. And you all nodded and said, Amen. And now I'm sitting here saying, well, once you begin saying it, it'll happen. And you're going, uh, b -b 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 really? What happened? What happened between yes and nods and amens and uh, really? I'll tell you what happened. So often we doubt in our hearts our ability to hear that word. So often we doubt in our hearts, is this really you, Lord? So often we doubt in our hearts, could this really be? What you are saying, surely not. Look at everything around you. Look at everything, God. Look at these bones. They're not just dry. They are dry, dry. Look at my wife. Look at my marriage. Look at my spouse, my husband. Look at my children. Look at this job situation. Stop speaking what is in the natural and begin to get into and begin to speak what it is that God is saying over these situations. It's very interesting. When Paul writes about prophecy to the Corinthians, he says, prophesy. The purpose of prophecy is what? Edification, encouragement, upliftment. As you begin speaking over people what God is saying about them, as you begin speaking into situations what God is saying about that situation, what begins to happen? Hope of a better outcome begins to rise up in our hearts. Faith of what could be and should be becomes present and becomes there for us to hold on to and to use. Isaiah 51, verse 16, this is to the prophet. God says, I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. I haven't just put my words in your heart. I've put my words in your mouth. He said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, verse 9 and 10, Put the Lord, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down. How? By the word of God. 
You speak situations that root up and uproot that which is established of the enemy to pull down that which is established and built up of the enemy. And then he says, to destroy and throw down those same works, principalities and powers, and then to build and to plant. By what? The prevailing word of God. The prevailing word of God. The word that prevails from the mouth and the heart of God through your mouth to bring His prevailing victory within your situation. If we want to see kingdom change, folks, we need to know what God says. And we need to speak that into life. There are dry bones that we need to begin prophesying over. And this is the key to effective, powerful prayers. Very interesting when God asked the prophet, can these bones live? That answer just unlocked it all. God, you know. What area are you looking at your life saying, God, is there life here? Can there be life here? What is it that you are seeing about this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm wasting my time. I don't know if I'm sowing into a field that's never going to reap a harvest. What are you saying, God? Why is this so important to you and me, folks? Proverbs 18, 21 tells us why. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Are we speaking life over our lives, over our families, over our situations, or are we speaking death? Are we speaking lack over our finances, or are we speaking blessing and prosperity over our finances? Are we speaking life over our relationships, or are we speaking strife and gossip and bringing up the negative? What are the words that you are speaking? You see, you are today the product of your, your words you spoke yesterday. You are today the product of the words you spoke yesterday. Let me ask you a question. It's a rhetorical question. When is the best time to plant a tree? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Because then you'd be sitting in the shade of it, you'd be eating the fruit of it, it would be a blessing in your life. When is the next best time to, start plant, to plant a tree? Now. You are sitting in the shelter of the words and the seeds that you have sown up to this point. You could say to me, oh, but I'm a victim. You know, I'm not in control of everybody else's words. I'm not in control of everybody else's circumstances. I've had things thrust upon me. I've had things put on me that I didn't ask for. How can you tell me that I am in the position I am because of words I spoke? Well, maybe you're still in that position because of the words you spoke. <laughs> maybe, you're, maybe the whole way you're seeing things and your whole perspective of the situation is skewed, which is why you're still there. You know, very often when we have breakthrough in our lives, our breakthrough isn't external, it's internal. And just our perspective of the situation or the people in the situation changes. And that unlocks everything in our hearts, change our perspective completely. We go from a place of feeling downtrodden and defeated to feeling victorious and blessed. What has changed on the, out, on the outside? Nothing. What's changed on the inside? Everything. 
James chapter 3, verse 1 to 5 from the message says this, Don't be in any rush to become a teacher. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards. Did you ever read a scripture and wish it wasn't in the Bible? And none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Well, I thought I was quoting the message. It's just a different message. Do you understand the power of what I'm, I'm trying to teach you this morning? That as we begin in our prayer times with very simple things like what you'll be emailed tomorrow morning, when we begin to, 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 to ask of God, what are you saying about this situation? Find what the Word of God says. Hear from the Spirit of God concerning that person. And then begin speaking that. You begin in privacy. But open your mouth and begin prophesying. What is prophecy? It's a declaration. It's a declaration. You are it's a proclamation. You are saying something that is from the heart of God to, in order to establish or to give wisdom or to give direction. Begin prophesying. The last example before we close. There's an account. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. In Matthew chapter 8 of a centurion who comes to Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, please, my servant whom I love is sick. Please, would you speak the word and heal him? And Jesus says to him, I'll come to your house. I'll come, no problem. I'll come lay hands on your servant and I'll heal him. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Just say the word and he will be healed. And this is, it's, it's, very, it's not very often you hear the words, and Jesus marveled. This man understood something. He understood authority. This man understood and, and recognized the power of Jesus. But this man also understood the power of a command given. He recognized who was in authority, and he know, knew and understood what happened when somebody in authority spoke. When somebody in authority spoke, everything that is subject to that person comes into alignment. Whose authority are you and I under? Jesus. On whose authority or on whose behalf do we speak? Jesus. It should be. It should be. Perhaps we need to ask ourselves, under whose authority are these words spoken? Under whose authority does this feeling or this unction in my heart come? Where does this come from? Is this from legitimate, genuine authority? Is this from Jesus? Or is this some counterfeit? Somebody who's coming to try and take authority that doesn't belong to them. Listen, genuine authority will always deal with counterfeit authority. Every time. Counterfeit authority cannot stand in the presence of genuine authority. Isn't it one of the things that the people said so often about Jesus? Look at how this man speaks with authority. 
And when he speaks, things happen. He says to demons, come out, and they go. He says to the people, come alive, rise up, awaken, and they rise up from the dead. He says to people, be healed, and they are healed. He says to an ear, be stuck, and it stays stuck. He says to you, I've paid for your sins, and they stay paid for. He says to you, I've made you a child of mine, and you stay a child. He says over your situation, I am more than enough. He says, in this world you will have tribulations. Again, one of those things we probably wish he didn't say. But he said it. But it didn't end there. He said, but be of good cheer. He says, you're going to be in the midst of tribulations, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And so I have a prevailing word concerning your situation that that overcoming victory can be realized. What is the word? What is the word? And what will you do with it? That's the question I believe the Lord's saying to us. Isn't this the whole purpose of prayer? I want to tell you something. Prayer is not about getting on your knees and begging God. That's not, what, that's not the heart and the essence of prayer. The heart and the essence of prayer is to get hold of the heart of God so that you can begin speaking and you can begin declaring the words and the things that God is saying to bring about change in your environment, in your family, in your workplace, in whatever area of life it is that you are finding resistance, that the life and the fullness of God is not evident. So folks, would you stand with me this morning? We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.